Salutations, Scoob Believer. Do you have a dream of becoming an entrepreneur, but don't know where to start or even what to do? Where can I gather information quickly about what's in my zone of genius? Don't worry, Scoob Believers. I got you covered. Go to tuepodcast.net backslash AI prompt and check out an amazing set of AI prompts that will give you ideas, information, and articles to help you get across that start line. Once again, go to tuepodcast.net backslash AI prompt to get you started now. Good luck, Scoob Believer. Undiscovered Entrepreneur, episode number 49. We're almost to 50. You know, as, as you said before, money is a metric by which you measure success, but it's in, it's an indirect measure. The, the success is really the goodwill of the community around you. And I am a very big believer that whatever you put out into the world, it gets returned to you. So if I'm going to put out my goodwill and my expertise and my willingness to help other people grow, then I have full faith and full belief that it's going to come back. Welcome to the Undiscovered Entrepreneur, the podcast where brand new entrepreneurs come to life and could quite possibly be discovered. Join me, DJ Scoob, and the rest of the Scoob Believers as we help these new businesses become a reality. And now, away we go! Hello, Scoob Believers, and welcome to another episode of The Undiscovered Entrepreneur, and it's me, DJ Scoob, <laughs> coming at you on whatever device you happen to be listening on. All right, so today we're going to get a great education on mushrooms. That's right, mushrooms. Uh, I have Adam, who is a, a mushroom farmer, who is actually starting his own mushroom farmer. He actually hasn't really decided exactly what it's going to be yet, but that's okay. That's what we're here for, is to try and talk about it. And, uh, oh, you're going to get such an education about mushrooms, more than I thought I was ever going to get when I started this uh, this uh, this interview. So, strap in, ladies and gentlemen, and let's talk to Adam. Salutations, Scoop Believers, and we are here again with our next amazing brand spanking new entrepreneur. Today we're here with Adam. Hi, Adam. How are you? I'm doing great, Jesse. Thanks for having me. Great. Thanks for coming on to Undiscovered Entrepreneur. Now I have a really kind of semi-serious question to ask you, okay? All right. All right. Here we go. Are you a Scoop Believer? I am now. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. I love it. Thank you so much for being a Scoop Believer, Adam. <laughs> Appreciate you. Absolutely. So what I'd like to know here is you're a brand new entrepreneur. I'd like to know a little bit about you, uh, about what you do, and how long you've actually been doing it for. Okay, so I am an urban farmer. I've done a couple other businesses in other things in previous iterations and lives, but basically for in two different 
iterations over the last 10 years, I've been an entrepreneur. Now, it is 10 years, but my first business started 10 years ago. And I think in the eight years, seven years that I ran it, I might have actually grossed, you know, $30,000, $40,000 over seven, eight years. So I didn't really do a whole lot with it. Now, my second business was an urban mushroom farm. I did that with a business partner here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. We started, well, he started the year before me, but he and I started together in 2019. And we started in a 2,000 square foot warehouse. We started growing about 30 pounds a week, gourmet mushrooms. And over the next three years, up until when I exited the farm last July, we grew that up to about 800 pounds per week. And when I left, we were on track for grossing almost three quarters of a million dollars. So I did a little bit better with that one. We made some mistakes. We learned some lessons. And right now I want to help other farmers learn how to do business better because food is important, but staying in business is what allows us to get it out to other people. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I love how you've actually taken kind of that step there. There's the steps that you take. I did this and then I did this, which is do a little bit better. And now I'm doing this. Uh, that's awesome. It's great to have that kind of journey. That's why I call it an entrepreneur adventure, really, because it really is an adventure, not just a journey, but it's an entire adventure that we take in our in our lives if we want to start this, you know, what we're doing. What actually made you start this business? I know you said you had a couple of businesses already, but where is the beginnings of this? Tell me how you actually got started in all this. So I grew up, my parents were both entrepreneurs. They had construction companies and then that kind of failed and you know the construction business died in the mid 90s so they stopped building restaurants and they started building building houses and then from there it kind of morphed into being a property management and this and that and so i grew up seeing entrepreneurship and seeing small business and that was what i just thought was normal so i grew up and went to college and tried to get a normal job and i didn't really like having people tell me what to do you know, big surprise there. <laughs> so I started looking for ways that I could kind of call my own shots. And truthfully, I fell into my first business, honestly, by accident. The real short version is I was trying to learn how to do aquaponics, which is hydroponics, but using fish to provide the nutrient source. And so I joined a meetup group in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And the first meeting I go to, and I mean, I'd done some reading and some research and this and that, but the first meeting for this group, I show up and I just start asking other people there what they were doing and what their experience was and such. 45 minutes later, the guy that was running the meeting never showed up. Everybody else thought I was the one leading the group and it just kind of grew from there. And I literally just fell into it. Um, so what I've done for a day job for the last 15, 17 years is I've been a teacher. So I've taught math, I've taught science, I've taught agriculture. And so teaching people how to do things is second nature to me. So running those workshops just, or going to those meetings and such became teaching workshops on how to build this system or that system or how to identify fish diseases or this or that. And from there, it just kind of grew forward to, well, we've taught everybody how to build a system. Now let's people teach everyone how to grow different crops. So we built a training farm and 
that was a, a, a 20 foot by 40 foot greenhouse. And then we went, okay, well, now we need to make it actually profitable. So let's build a 20 by 100 foot greenhouse. And we did that and we started growing lettuce and selling at farmer's markets and a couple of restaurants and it paid the bills and it, the, the business supported itself. It just didn't support me. It was never at a point where I could quit my day job and actually be a farmer. It made enough to cover its expenses. And that was really about it. It was about that time that I started looking into other things that I could grow, other things that I could do, trying to make that farm more successful, more viable. And I found mushrooms and I always thought it was cool and interesting. And I just couldn't find anybody to teach me how to do it. And out of a completely random turn of events, I was on Facebook in some group, whatever, and somebody was like, hey, roll call, where are you Where are you from? And I saw this comment, I'm in Dallas, Texas. And I went, okay, that's somebody I need to meet. So I messaged him out of the blue. We met up at a farmer's market um, where I was vending and he brought some of his mushrooms and we ended up kind of talking ideas and such. And six months later, it was January of 2019. And we signed a lease on a 2000 square foot uh, former auto body shop. And we built everything from scratch. And three and a half years later, we were growing 800 pounds of mushrooms a week. And it was, it was great. I quit, I quit my day job a year into year into that. And it was my sole employment for almost three years. And we made it through COVID. We made it through multiple ups and downs and twists around the way and it worked. But yeah, my, my path was one of those. It was kind of random, but it just, it just every, every next step seemed right at the time. So It's amazing how that works out sometimes where just random events all culminate together to the one thing that happens that really fits where you want, right where you want to be. And that's awesome. And I think that happens to us a lot when we're working within our zone of genius. A lot of just things happen just the way they're supposed to to make things work for you and work for your company and work for yourself personally too as long as you stay within your realm of what you really love to do. So I, that's awesome. That is such a fantastic story. And I like the fact that you took two different things, two loves that you have and combined them in together to make something for yourself that ultimately ended up being fantastic. Um, and a lot of us are in that new realm where we're just we're not even paying our bills, maybe just paying the bills and not really sustaining for ourselves. So we all know we have to take that next step to be able to sustain ourselves so we could possibly get into something that's a new adventure for us that will actually get us to where we need to go. And I like that it seemed like your parents taught you how to pivot because it seemed like they're they're over here. And they're like, oh, this isn't working. Let's go over here and try this. And that starts working. With, okay, let's go over here. Maybe this isn't working. But they didn't give up. They didn't just throw their hands up in the air and say, hey, that's it. I can't do this anymore. And that's something I really think we all should really take advantage of, of being able to make that pivot, that change, so we can keep moving on in our entrepreneur adventure um, no matter what we're doing. So when we hit those times, those random events can actually happen to us. So if we're not doing things, we're not moving, these random events are not going to happen. That's all within ourselves to be able to do. A quick question, because I'm a, I'm a huge mushroom fan, since you mentioned mushrooms. Can you just really quick, and I know this is kind of random, but can you explain the difference between portobello mushrooms and just the regular white mushrooms? 
All right. So pretty much any mushroom you see in the grocery store, uh, the white button, the portobello, the, the baby bella, the cremini, those are all what are called agaricus mushrooms. And it it's that's the bottom of the barrel commodity mushroom grow. It's the equivalent of corn and soybeans. They're they're grown on massive scales. They are actually grown out of a manure-based substrate. And these are the ones that are grown in near darkness and such and and all of that, that classic, you know, just that that's the stereotype. What we grew were the gourmet mushrooms. So that was uh, oyster mushrooms, lion's mane, uh, chestnut mushrooms. We grew maitake. We actually, over the course of the farm, we actually grew up to 12 different species at one point. But primarily oyster mushrooms, lion's mane, uh, chestnut, maitake, a couple others in there. But those were, those were the main ones that we grew and they're all wood-loving substrates. So they grow off of hardwood sawdust and then some type of nutrient supplement. Uh, we used soybean uh, shells, actually, soybean meal, or soybean hulls, rather, not meal. Uh, but there's there's a lot of other nutrient supplements that you could use, but primarily wood substrate. But it's they're very different. So we grew out of individual bags. So it's a lot of work. It's backbreaking. Um, and some of the lessons that we learned were how to minimize that lifting. You know, when you're making 200 bags a time, you know, three times a week and you're doing 10 pound bags, that's a lot of lifting that you got to do moving those bags around seven, eight times during their life cycle. So it's, it's fun though. It's super fast. So our oyster mushrooms from the day we started the bag to the day we harvested, was usually 21 to 23 days. So it's wow. a super fast, super fast production period. Okay. So a little, uh, little mushroom education for everybody. Thank you so much, Adam. That's actually more, uh, that's just some fantastic information. And you want to grow mushrooms. This is the guy you want to talk to. Okay. So. <laughs> So in your entrepreneur, I'm going to just kind of go into another question here. In your entrepreneur adventure, and it sounds like you've been doing this for a little while altogether, but um, what are some of the pitfalls that you've come across? And like, let's talk, let's talk about what you've recently done. Have you had any pitfalls that's kind of came about that you can maybe speak of? Yeah. So one of the the issues that we've that I saw overall between my lettuce farm, between the mushroom farm is communication and and it's communication across all different levels uh with employees and staff and such but the most important level of communication and where i saw a lot of struggle initially for us was with clients with customers so with the mushroom farm our we initially started serving just restaurants and we were serving reasonably high-end restaurants that were chef driven. So we're not talking uh, corporate concepts that have multiple locations such. We're talking about one restaurant that, you know, some of our restaurants that we dealt with had 12 seats, not even 12 tables, just 12 seats in the restaurant. And so that chef demands a level of interaction and a level of familiarity with his suppliers. So we had to develop that level of trust and that relationship with him that he trusted that we would be able to meet his, his needs, his quality levels, and his timelines, all while staying within his price points. 
So it developing those relationships with chefs and and being able to provide them what they need when they needed it, it that's really at the end of the day, I think the backbone of what made us successful was because we were willing to do a lot more than some of the other food distributors in town. We did deliveries seven days a week sometimes. We did, you know, if a chef ran out of mushrooms at 7 p.m. on a Saturday night, all right, either me or my partner went to the farm, picked up a, a case of fresh mushrooms and got it out over to them. And over time, that really developed a, a very loyal following that chefs, when they moved from one restaurant to another, they would start buying from us at their new restaurant. And so it relationships and communication are probably the two biggest things that I would say are absolutely fundamental aside from having a quality product, whatever it is that you do in your industry, you need to know your customers and they need to know you. That's good. That's some great information. Yes, I agree with you hundred percent. Communication is, is key when it comes to a lot of different types of things, uh, especially when you're talking with potential clients or anything like that. Also communication between employees, all that's great information. But I think you hit a, lot, a really great point there when it comes to, you know, those client to relation, client relationships, because it just seems like no matter where you go, they'll kind of follow you anywhere that you are. And that's really good to have because then you know you'll have something set for quite some time there that you're their guy that they go to for whatever mushrooms or, or audio video. Who cares? You're the, you're the person that they're going to go to. So that's fantastic. Thank you so much, Adam. That's awesome. So as we're moving along here, just the next question. Uh, do you have, and I, I, was, I like asking this question, but especially with someone like you, do you have any influences or somebody that maybe you like either mentor do you like to talk about or someone that really makes you look forward to doing what you're doing? Like anybody like that in your life? So I've, I've had a lot of what I would, what I guess would be like content mentors. You know, they're farmers that I've, I've looked up to and, and people that I have really, that I've really appreciated what they've done for the, the field that I was in. So with, with aquaponics, there, there are a number of big names. I mean, Will Allen of Growing Power up in Milwaukee did a, a great deal. And I learned a lot from him. Uh, Murray Hallam down in Australia, there, there's, there's 15 or 20. But when I got, when I got into business and started trying to figure out how I could make a salary for myself, how I could actually run a business that supported employees in in a consistent and dependable manner. What I realized was a lot of the people that know how to produce food, a lot of the people that know how to farm, they're not really the best mentors for how to run business. I I always remember for it was probably two or three years into doing this, somebody told me a joke, and apparently it's a pretty old joke. It's it's how do you make a farmer a millionaire? Well, you start them off with $2 million. And it's just that idea that farming is a losing proposition. That, that if you're, in, you're, if you're in farming, it's great. You're growing food. We need that. But you know, you're, you're setting yourself up to lose. And, and I never really agreed with that. I never liked that. So 
over the last five, six years, I've really kind of, I've looked for mentors in the business space, in the entrepreneurship space, in the, the, the networking and relationship space. And, you know, it's, it really comes down to the idea that marketing is not, marketing and sales are not this like evil, slimy, sleazy concept. It's, it's the lifeblood that keeps your business afloat and it's necessary. It's absolutely necessary. But if you reframe that in your mind that you're not trying to con people out of their money, instead, you're providing them so much value in every possible way related to your product that they feel the least they can do in return is give you money. You know, it, and for me, it was that reframing that allowed me to kind of shift my mentality. And so with the mushroom farm, we grew gourmet mushrooms, you know, at the farmer's market, they sold for 20 and $30 a pound. These are not cheap mushrooms, but we had free recipes every week, every week, one of our gourmet chefs from the high end restaurants in Dallas, Fort Worth, we had a different recipe. And so we gave away free recipes to people that, that bought mushrooms. We, we had medicinal tinctures and we told people how to, how to use them to address certain, certain issues and certain uh, ailments that they might have and such. And we did, we published research and shared articles and we just educated the community about what mushrooms are and what they could be. And we provided value above and beyond the simple transaction of here's a mushroom, give me dollars. And as a result, at our farmer's markets, we had people who would drive 45 minutes just to come to our booth at the market just to buy our mushrooms because they appreciated what we did. And then we started doing other things. We started actually putting together like recipes of, hey, here's what's available at market now. Here's what's in season. So here's an entire dish that you can make or an entire meat, like meal plan for the week, but you're going to buy mushrooms from us, but you're going to buy carrots from this farm and you're going to buy beef from this farm and chicken from that farm. And, you know, it, we started, we started sharing the wealth, so to speak, and we started increasing the traffic and the sales to all of the vendors at our markets. So then it wasn't just our customers coming to us. It was, Hey, you know, this other vendor is going to send their customer over to get our mushrooms because we send our customers to them to buy goat cheese and, and so on. And it's, I don't know. I, I, I can't remember where I first heard it. It might, maybe it was Seth Godin. Maybe, maybe it was Gary V. I don't know, but it, it, somebody said it once and it just stuck in my head. It's if you are stuck looking at the pie as something to be carved up, then you're going to hoard it and you're going to fight and you're going to claw and you're going to hold things close to your chest and you're not going to share. But once you realize that nothing in the world is really and truthfully that unique, that it's all about marketing and it's all about market share and it's all about what message resonates with what person, you know, there's 50 people out there talking about entrepreneurship and every single one of them has a different audience because they resonate with different people. When you flip that script around and you realize that 
I don't need to worry about market share because if I work with everybody and if I share what I'm doing and if I'm transparent about what I'm doing, the pie gets bigger. So it doesn't matter how much of the pie I get because my slice, whatever percentage it might be, it's bigger than it would have been if I didn't help everybody else. So in the end, I still get more, but so does everybody else. And, you know, it's, it's the, the rising tide lifts all boats. And if, if we work together and we share and we combine our, our efforts, everything's going to work out better for everybody else as well as us. So it's, in the end, ironically, I think that was one of the things that um, didn't really jive between me and my ex-partner. I wanted to share everything and be fully transparent, 100%. He really didn't. And in the end, um, I exited the farm last year. So now I'm trying to figure out what's going to be my third farm. Uh, that's that's where I am right now. Okay. That's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, you said something really similar to that. I'd say we rise by lifting others, really helping everybody else out there and not worrying about so much as the money, but the 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 quality of what we're actually doing to help other people and what we're doing. Yeah, that's the same. It's pretty much the same thing. So that's great. And I really I really like saying too that the 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 money actually becomes a byproduct of how we treat other people, how much value we actually give our customers or our followers or anything that you know, you use at that particular point, not worrying so much as the money as what kind of value am I giving this person? And eventually, or that even on their own, they'll say, okay, that's awesome. Thank you. Here is this an exchange, you know, it, not always money, but money always helps. But yeah, that's really, really what it comes down to here. And I, I love that you kind of cross and here you're doing it again, crossing farmer and salesperson. Another type of thing that you really want to put together, especially like what you're talking about, because they really need to directly work with each other to be able to set to to be able to survive. Ultimately, in the very end, you still need to make your products, but then you still need to be able to sell those products. And that, that's really, really important. Um, also, when you're fo- when you're following your people, you want to try to stay in your field. <laughs> I noticed you, you did that too. The people that you follow, you started following in your field of, of work, but then you're like, okay, I got enough of this. Now I need to go over here and work on the sales part. Now I'm going to start following these people and learn as much as I can from them. And then once again, just taking the best of both worlds and putting them together. So, and it's really all about providing a service. It's not so much as just like you said, just a dollar exchange for a mushroom, but the value we have along with that mushroom is what pe- what brings people to you over anybody else that's just not a number, but a person that mm-hmm. wants that value. Exactly. So I commend you for that. That's fantastic, Adam. Thank you. All right. So um, I'd like to know, since you've been doing this for a little while and you had a lot of things in front of you, I see you coming, but when will you know you've made it? When do you think you've gotten to that one point? where you said, this is exactly where I wanted to be at this particular time. What does that look like to you, Adam? Uh, I have, I honestly have no idea because I'm never going to get there because to me, that goalpost is always going to be moving. It, it's kind of silly, but I remember as, as a kid, I was probably in middle school and we read this book, uh, Jonathan Livingston Seagull, which if, if anybody out there hasn't read it, 
go go find a used bookstore and pick it up. It's about six, 26 pages. I mean, it's a tiny little book. You read it in an afternoon. But the crux of it is that perfection is never going to be reached. No matter what you think you can do, as much as you think you could possibly learn, by the time you get to where you think is the end point, you realize that's the start of the next plateau. And it just, you have that, that whole level to learn again. So for me, right now where I am, I'm still teaching because I enjoy it. I'm still teaching math and I'm having a good time with it. I'm looking to figure out what farm I want to do next. I honestly don't know. It might be a, a hybrid CSA type vegetable farm through aquaponics and hydroponics. It might be another mushroom farm. It might even be a spirulina algae farm. I honestly, I'm trying to figure out what works best with the time I have available. But honestly, right now where I am, the, the next plateau for me is, as you said, I've done this for a little while and I've learned, I've learned a lot of lessons. Mostly I've learned what not to do. And I want to be able to help other farmers. And, you know, I mean, in all honesty, other small business owners to grow faster than I did. I want, I would like to be able to work with them to help them, you know, get to their goalpost or what they think is their goalpost faster with less pain because I've learned some of those lessons. So right now I'm reaching out to a number of the local farms in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and I'm basically just offering services. I'm I'm going on every podcast I can to think about and and such to basically say the same thing that if you want help growing your business, give me a call. I would absolutely love to help anybody. That's right now. I'm kind of, I'm kind of in that amazing, lucky, beautiful point where my money issues are taken care of and I can focus on what brings me joy. And, you know, as, as you said before, money is a metric by which you measure success, but it's in, it's an indirect measure. The, the success is really the goodwill of the community around you. And I am a very big believer that whatever you put out into the world, it gets returned to you. So if I'm going to put out my goodwill and my expertise and my willingness to help other people grow, then I have full faith and full belief that it's going to come back in the end and help me grow. And maybe that'll be in the form of money. Maybe it'll be in the form of you know, somebody's out there and wants to invest in a new mushroom farm or a new algae farm. And they're like, hey, this guy knows what he's doing. Okay, let's talk to him. I don't know. Uh, right now, I'm just kind of playing and I want to go have some fun. And I want to help people grow some food and get bigger. So that's probably a long-winded and tangential answer to what you asked. But that's <laughs> that's what I'm looking for. I'm, I'll work until I drop dead and they, they nail me in my coffin. I'm I don't ever see my myself exiting and just being like, that's it. I'm out. I will probably and hopefully get to a point where I don't have to work, you know, that a little bit further than where I am right now of my money, my, my, my finances are, are stable and they're, they're taken care of. 
you know, I don't need to make $10 million a year and go hobnob everywhere. I, you know, give me, give me a house that's paid off a car that's paid off and, you know, groceries. I'm good. I don't, I don't need to be extravagant. I just, I want to help people. And that's, that's really all I've ever done. So first I helped by growing food. Now I want to help by growing businesses. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great goal to have it in itself, you know, is to be able to help other people as much as you can now that you've kind of reached this plateau and where you're at. Now it's time to share that information. It's time to share that, like you were talking about earlier, that being able to help other people grow their businesses at farm wise or anything else wise too. I've already learned a lot from you just listening to you. So, <laughs> so thank you so much, Adam. Appreciate that. Okay, so since you're actually into Absolutely. helping, yeah, since you're into helping other people, and you want to, sh- to share a little bit of your knowledge, if you were to actually meet somebody that wants to have a similar adventure as you in growing uh, whatever it is that they want to grow, what steps would you have them take if they asked you for advice? Um, I don't. I, to be honest, I'm not 100 percent sure. I know my journey was not a linear straight line. So I would probably start by asking a whole lot of questions about where they were, where they started from, where they wanted to go, what they envisioned their pain points would be. And then we'd just start having a discussion to see, okay, well, where's the low hanging fruit? Where's the, you know, the, the 80, 20 rule. How, what, how can we, what can we work on you know, what's the 20% that we can work on that will relieve 80% of the pain or, or what clients, what clients bring in the least revenue, but take most of your time, you know, is it worth firing one of those clients so that you can focus on the others? I have always found personally that stepping back and, and kind of gaining that perspective on everything helps me then streamline and move forward faster. So that would be the first place that I would the first step that I would take working with somebody is trying to figure out, okay, well, what's the lay of the land? What, you know, are you looking to go into a, a wholesale distribution, but you're stuck in a farmer's market, you know, and, and what do you want to do? Or you're, you're outgrowing the farmer's market, but you're not quite at enough production to be able to go to that wholesale and such. So it's, Everybody's situation is going to be different, but in general, I would say start with building your relationships with your clients. If you don't have a newsletter, if you don't have a, a regular communication with them, and it doesn't have to be a newsletter. I, I did it brute force. I, I messaged nearly 45, 50 chefs individually every week, asking them how, how their order went the previous week. You know, do they need anything special? Do they want anything else? Do they have any plans for specials coming up? You know, it, and I did it, like I said, I did it brute force. I didn't have any elegant, easy way to communicate with everybody. I, I always said I was going to start a newsletter and I just never quite got around to it. So I just had all these text threads that I just kept track of, but it, it worked for the scale we were at. If we got much bigger than we had been, it probably wouldn't, it probably would have fallen apart. But if you're not already communicating with your clients through a newsletter or direct communication or such, that's, 
easily the number one thing that you need to do. Start with that and try to get some perspective on the overall operation. There you go. That's some good advice. Yeah, we go back to the communication thing. Like we said in the beginning of the podcast, it's really important to have that communication uh, with your clients so we know what they're looking for. And that way we can provide what they need. If we're not providing what they need, then why do they have us? So it's really important to have that. And you make a great point too. And I'm I'm going to kind of highlight this. Firing clients. It's okay to fire a client. <laughs> a lot of people are really scared to do that because they're like, oh, I'm losing money. But I mean, as much energy and money as you're putting in, why don't you use that same amount of energy as something that's going to produce more instead of having to walk on eggshells because you're not sure if it's working right or if you don't have a great relationship with this, with a client. So don't be afraid to to fire a client. So you make a good point there, Adam. Well, I mean, the the first time I did it, it was terrifying to me. But I once again, I stepped back and I looked at that perspective and I realized that over the course of a month, I had something like 35 emails with one client. And I think I had like 10 emails combined with the other like 12 clients. And that one client was not even a tenth of my monthly revenue. And I'm like, you know what? It, Yes, I can afford to eliminate this one client because then all of a sudden I've got this much more time to grow the business. And that's that's probably one of the other things I would tell people is if you are spending all of your time working in the business, then you don't have any time left to grow the business. If you're doing the tasks that your employees are doing, you need to stop. And when you're first starting out, you can't, you, you know, you're bootstrapping, you've got to do it all. But as soon as you can fire yourself from a position and hire that away to somebody else, you absolutely need to, because if you're working, doing the business, you're not going to have the time to grow the business the way it needs to. As as the entrepreneur, as the owner, you've got to work on the business, not in it. Yeah, I've heard that many times with different types of entrepreneurs, not just farmers, but all different kinds. I mean, you got to work on your business, not in your business. I like how you say fire yourself. That actually is a nice way of putting that. I never really thought about it that way. So fire yourself so you can improve your business. I like that. That's awesome. <laughs> All right. So uh, here is my favorite question, but I did steal it from another podcast. So sorry, everybody. What is the one question you wish I would have asked you, but didn't? I always miss one really good question. And like, I, 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 my guest goes, oh, I really wish he would have asked that question. I was really hoping and I was ready for that answer. What is that question, Adam? Um, I honestly don't know. You actually, the one, the one that I usually want to answer that I never, that I rarely get a chance to, you did ask. And that was, that was, um, what advice would I give to somebody? And that, wow. What? I guess that's usually the question that I want to answer that that very few people ask. Most people are, seem to be more concerned about the journey and not about how to help others. And that's, I guess, that, in all honesty, that's one of the things that I really 
like about your podcast and what drew me to to want to be on it is that you're helping people grow their business and you know your your audience is looking for the things that I want to share and that's so that that's why yeah that that's that's why I'm here and <laughs> I'm rambling now so I'm going to stop okay <laughs> it's okay <laughs> I appreciate the kind words, Adam. That's awesome. Thank you. We'll, we'll, we'll uh, because you talked so nice to me, we'll, we'll let it slide this time. Okay. All right. So, <laughs> all right. So, um, we've gotten to the point now where I really like, like to know, uh, what is the next goal you have for yourself in the next six months? What I'd like to do is follow up with you in six months and see if you've accomplished a goal. So in the next six months, what do you see yourself in accomplishing? So short term, I know that within the next six months, I am going to be uh, taking over a distribution uh, service for a friend of mine. He's moving out of state. So I'm going to start selling uh, farm eggs uh, at one of the local farmer's markets. So I'm going to take over that distribution. And I'm doing that one because he asked me nicely and two, because it gets me back into the markets where I can get a pulse on kind of what's going and how the markets are going. So that gives me the opportunity then to meet more of the local farmers. And I don't know, it, I don't know if it'll happen in six months, but definitely one of the things I'm going to be working on is setting up a, a farmers networking group in the Dallas Fort Worth area where farmers can talk and share with each other as much as they want to share but where we can talk about business issues. Hey, uh, who's, who's got, who can help me with this uh, organic certification application? Who, who has a line on good compost? Who has a line on good seed or distribution? Or, hey, I need a mechanic. My ex broke down. You know, I just, once again, getting back to that communication, it, it's important at all levels. And I want to try to develop a community where the farmers in this area don't view each other as competition, even if, even if they're at the same market, even if they're growing the same types of crops, you know, it's, we've got to start talking and working together. I mean, the Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex has over 8 million people in it. We don't grow a fraction of the food that is actually needed to make this community stable. If, anything happened to the food system. We need, we probably need 3000 more farmers than we have here already. So the more I can do to build that community and make that a place where people can jump into it and get support and get the ability to grow, you know, that's the least I can do. So that's, I don't know how far I'll get on that in six months, but that's that's definitely the the big goal that I'm going to start working towards. So, all yeah. right, those are very admirable. I really like uh, the idea of having a farmers network to be able to work together to accomplish things that normally you by yourself wouldn't be able to accomplish. So, I, I would I would actually kind of strongly urge you to do that. That's really great. So we're going to do is follow up with you in six months to see if you've achieved those goals or at least, you know, move towards those goals <laughs> and uh, and see where you are. Is that OK? Absolutely. Yeah. Fantastic. Anytime. 
Excellent. Okay. So Adam, it's come to time here. This is your time to shine. I want you to be able to talk about who you are, what you do, and how we can get a hold of you if we want to talk to you about uh, farming. So like I said, I'm I'm willing to help anybody. Farming is what I've done mostly, but I I think I'm pretty decent at business and I'm willing to give it a shot if you're not in the agricultural industry. So if you want to reach out and chat about anything, you can find me on Twitter or YouTube uh, at I am Adam Cohen. I've started an Instagram and such, but I'm not really doing much there. Twitter's probably the best place to get a hold of me. Or you can reach me at Adam at greenphoenixfarms.com if you want to email me. But either way, just reach out, give me a shout, say hello. All right, awesome. We'll make sure to put all that in the show notes so somebody can get a hold of you. They can look there first and just go right to you, okay? That'd be great. All right, Adam, thank you so much for being on Undiscovered Entrepreneur. It's been an absolute pleasure. I learned a lot from you, I got to tell you. Um, just listening to you and how you've run things and that kind of thing, fantastic. Thank you so much for the information, Adam. Thanks, Jesse. All right. All right, school believers, make sure you stay tuned for the wrap up. All right, everybody. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs>
And we've said it several times on the podcast, communication, huge, super important, not just communication between you and your employees or anything else, or sometimes you're your own employee, but communication with your guests, communications with your clients, communication with what's actually working with you. Because when there's a loss of communication, there's always something that gets missed and that can cause big, big problems. All right. So. Uh, thank you, uh, Adam, very much for being on The Undiscovered Entrepreneur. A little bit with me, The Entrepreneurship in a Box. That is definitely in the works right now, uh, really kind of getting into it. Uh, I would really like some ideas from you, my listeners, my school believers, what you would actually like to have inside this box. I've already come up with about three or four different types of things I would like to have in the box to be able to help you get your entrepreneur adventure started. But if you were able to put something in the box, for yourself to start an entrepreneur adventure, what would it be? I would really like to hear about it. Hit me up on Twitter and all my Twitter spaces uh, at UE Podcast 2021. And uh, email me or just go to my link tree, L I N K T R dot E E, link tree, slash DJ Scoop. Find the ways to get a hold of me through there. They're all right there for you to see. And let me know what I would really like to know what you would like to have in this entrepreneur box. All right. And something else that's kind of come across here that I really want to talk to you about. I decided to take my group coaching from the just exclusively doing it in the. Community that I'm in, Numospect. And bring it out to the public. So here we go. This is going to get really real real quick. So I have five spots that are open right now for anybody who wants to take advantage of them for a bi-weekly group coaching. Uh, so if you would like to fill those spots, reach out to me at doingittodaycoaching at gmail.com. And we'll set you up with times and dates and when you would like to get involved in that. Just so you know, right up front, though, because I try to be very transparent when I do these things, there is a very minor cost involved, but that is going towards strictly towards my podcast and me visiting my father, who's uh, not doing so hot in Nevada right now, and I want to get out to him. So it's definitely going towards a good cause to uh, be able to do all this. So thank you so much in advance for anybody that wants to join me in this group coaching. And uh, with that, I'm going to say thank you, everybody. Join me on any of my social medias. You can find me on Linktree uh, backslash DJ Scoob. That's linktr.ee or tr.ee at DJ Scoob. And uh, reach out to me if you'd like to know anything. And if you could get around to possibly even uh, sending a review, that would be amazing. Uh, and I will definitely say your name on the next podcast right after I get that. So thank you very much for a great evening, everybody. We'll see you next week for coaching. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. <laughs>
And at this point, I cannot hire a social media manager. Pinnacle AI to the rescue! I've been using Pinnacle AI for a couple of weeks now. I've seen big improvements in my outreach and consistency in all my social medias. Do you want to save time and increase your productivity too? Go to tuepodcast.net backslash AI for more information. Save yourself time and grow your brand. Try it now and see what it can do for you.